Hey guys, thanks for listening hey, in today. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I think you mean everyone. Oh, so sorry. I need to be more inclusive. Thank you. Hello everyone, and thanks for listening to the podcast today. I'm Kevin. And I'm Brian. And we hope you enjoy. All right, Brian, we're live. We're live. Episode number six. I don't I don't have a rhyme like last time. That's okay. Uh, I think you could probably come up with one. I mean, maybe I'll come hard. up with the fix. There it is. There it is. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you to everybody who's listening uh, for the first time or for the sixth time. We appreciate you both the same. Because <laughs> Brian's all about equalness. He loves equalness. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you guys again. Um, so we've got a lot of fun stuff to get into today. Yeah. Um, and we're going to kind of hit the ground running here because we've got a lot running. of stuff to cover. Right. Um, we always lay out our, our, our topics for you guys, but today we have something a little bit special. We were actually, well, Brian was actually able to um, reach out to what I'm going to call it, an expert in the field yeah. on what we're going to go over truly, tonight. And, truly. Um, so a lot of fun stuff. Uh, going to break the norm just a little bit because we're going to have to cover quite a bit today. Um, our first big subject is going to be USPS. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of cover with that, both because of mail-in ballots um, and just kind of the predicament that they're in right now. Yeah, they're uh, facing some tough. Yeah, they're facing some tough times financially, uh, administrative dis- decisions. Uh, you know, just a, just a lot, and we're going to go over that as well through throughout the interview. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, that kind of covers really why we want to go into the USPS. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brian has actually had the pleasure. We brought. I just brought up an expert that he talked to. Um, so Brian, if you want to kind of touch on that, kind of go over. Uh, your history with him briefly, yeah. and um, and then we'll kind of relate this all back to how it kind of ties into um, politics today. So I had the pleasure of of interviewing Mark Tovey. Uh, Mark was the father of one of my childhood friends that I played sports with, and you know our families got to know each other pretty well. But I didn't really know just how ingrained the postal service was with Mark, and. During the course of our interview, I just felt like this true uh, understanding of of what the USPS does and how important it is and how ingrained into our society it has become. And with that said, I, I just really enjoyed listening to him. I wish I would have recorded it better so I could have shared just his, you know, his sound, his tone. He was really a remarkable person to talk to, and and I've always felt that way. But it was just really great listening to him talk about, you know, something he's an expert on. And uh, you know, the reason we call him an expert is he spent thirty seven years working for the Postal Service, which is a long time. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah. So, and he worked his way up. Longer. That's longer than I've been yeah, alive. Yeah. And, and he he has done work as like the plant manager, the logistics coordinator, but he finished off being the district manager. Now. I worked in the restaurant industry, and a district manager is a nice position, but it's it's not that great. It's it's good. It's very good. But when you're the district manager of the U.S. Postal Service, let me put that into context for you. There are 74 in the entire country. There are only two in the state of Illinois. So when we say that Mark is an expert, he's an expert in the field. He really has you know worked his way up. To, he worked his way up the chain and really got to know the inner workings of the USPS, what makes it successful, what it needs to be done to fix it, and and where do we go from here? Yeah, and, why, and then before you go forward, Brian, I want to touch on that too. So what is the issue, what, what are the issues, I guess, in this case, that the USPS are facing? Yeah, so, I mean, right now, they're struggling like any business. And, you know, Mark did a really nice job of, of talking about that. And in the other aspect and why it's so prevalent in the news right now is the idea of mail-in ballots. We're living in, inside of a global pandemic right now, and it's, it's forcing us to reevaluate the methodologies of which we go about our daily life. And one of those things that are critical to our success of being in a democracy is voting. Now, absentee ballots have been around for a long time, but there are five states that do almost exclusive mail-in ballots. Um, and they're both red and, and, and blue. So it, it's a critical aspect coming up to November. And as the campaign is beginning to heat up more and more, now that we have you know, both the Democratic presidential nominee, but also the, the vice presidential nominee, uh, you know, squaring off with, with the current incumbent of Trump and Pence, it's becoming very, very apparent that you know, every vote really matters. And you have one side really kind of downplaying the uh, effectiveness of 
the mail-in ballot and you have another side really trying to rally to bring mail-in ballots, hey, this is important, regardless of which way you're voting, it's important, we need to secure it. So that, that's kind of why this is so prevalent. But I wanted to take a step back. I wanna to go to why the USPS is so ingrained in our society. And, and why what it's I found so important. Out. Yeah, and what I found out from Mark. Now, like I said, Mark had been working with the USPS for the last 37 years. But go even further back than that. And you have 1970. And from 1970 to 2008, the USPS got no assistance from taxpayer dollars. It is self-sustaining, and it was actually becoming very profitable. So profitable that Congress stepped in and said, hey, you have a, a break-even model. You're not supposed to be profiting since you have a monopoly on the, on, on the actual service of mailing letters. So what you have to do now to bring that surplus of money down is pay out the health care money for your workers for the next 50 years or so. So they actually had to basically fund health care programs for people that haven't even been hired by the USPS yet. Right, to continue their non-for-profit model, basically. Right, because you know they had done such a good job of creating revenue, uh, they had to go back to that breaking model. That was their model, and that was what they were being held to, so they had to basically Congress reeled them back in. Now, fast forward to 2008, we have a recession, the worst recession that we had had since the Great Depression. And something that happens during a recession is a businesses are going out, but also they have to cut costs somewhere. And one of those places is often advertising and the direct mail advertising revenue lost a tremendous amount. And then we start to see the inner struggles of being profitable long-term. Okay. So with that in mind, we go to, you know, beyond 2008 and the USPS is having their issues with, you know, sustaining profitability or sustaining their own growth. Um, they have direct competitors in the FedEx and UPS, but they also have Amazon logistics kind of stepping in the way. But even with that, they were able to stay alive. Now we have what's a new pandemic happening, a new recession affecting us even deeper than 2008. And we see a lot of struggles going on to date. So right now, what is being talked about with the Democrats is bailing out with $25 billion, the USPS. So with that in mind, is it worth doing? And I'm going to say yes, especially after my discussion with Mark, that this is worth doing. And will it be in time or will it be effective enough in time for the election? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I guess if, if I may. Yeah. I'm going to yeah, wait on for a sure. second. I'm um, probably, of, of the two of us, I am probably the most against bailouts. Yes. We've uh, talked about this, and I don't really necessarily think on the air, but definitely in uh, uh, personal conversation uh, or off-air conversation. It's not really personal. Um, but I, I've, I've never been a fan of them. I feel like if your business is failing, yeah. your business is failing. Um it's a very Ron Swansonism for anybody who's <laughs> a big Parks and Rec fan, um, like I am. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I just think, okay, well, you screwed the pooch, like, so sorry. You know, either try again or, you know, fix what your issues are. In this case, it's just like, I, it's the same way I feel about the stimulus check. It's the same way I feel about the PPP loans. Um, I think that it's it's time that, okay, this is like a legitimate situation. You don't... Especially, and I feel for those people who really just, you know, and being in the service industry as I am, I feel for those new restaurants because, I mean, it's so hard to get a restaurant up and running. And there's so many new restaurants that were opening up because things were good prior to this. Um, I mean, everything seems much better um, comparatively now. And I'm uh, glad you brought up the service industry because one thing that Mark really brought to my attention was the service of the USPS. Yeah. And how personal it becomes for those postal workers. And when we talked about it, it really, it just came out of nowhere. I had this epiphany, this, this, oh my God, I remember this one moment. And growing up in, in my hometown, uh, I lived in the same house for 20 years and my mail carrier's name was Maria. And she came every day, rain or shine, snow or sleet, she came and dropped off the mail. And I loved that. I enjoyed seeing Maria. She was always very you know, polite and respectful and happy to see me. But 
about five years after moving out of my home and my mom had sold our, our, our family house that we grew up in two years later, or it was two years later, uh, Maria Facebook messaged me and she was about to deliver mail to my old address, 462. She goes up to the mailbox and she sees my name. Now, mind you, I hadn't been there for two years. I wasn't the, you know, the main male receiver in the household. You know, it wasn't my dad's name or my mom's name. She recognized my name. She looked me up on Facebook and messaged me. And she said, hey, I was delivering a piece of mail to your old house, and I saw your name, and it looked kind of important. So I took it back to the post office with me, and I made sure to keep it there. It's there for you if you need it. But I just wanted to reach out and let you know. And boy, did that hit home. Right. And you, do, you do something like that uh, as a server, as a bartender, you make yourself fat tip. Right. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's yeah. a service. Or you, you, you get a customer for life. Right. You, you, you give a shit. And yeah. that's, that's no, what it's oh all God, about. Yeah. And, and I hadn't thought about that in so long. And then I started thinking about my current, you know, postal carrier. And the man is awesome. You know, he never gets scared. Like, I have two big German shepherds that go bonkers. And, oh, someone's at the door. And... Let me tell you, he's the friendliest guy. And I think about that, and that kind of gets lost in these billions of dollars. And so, like, there's a personal aspect to the Pulse. Right. Service. No, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think that the point that you're getting at, too, without quite touching on it exactly, is mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that $25 billion that they're talking about in Congress right now that, they, that the Democrats want to get across in this, um, and then it was. We just did the CARES Act. This is like the Hope, hope something like that. Hope yeah. Act or something like that. Um, but like that's jobs, millions of jobs. Yeah, um, I could be exaggerating there, but I've, I think about how many postal service carriers there are, and then sorters, and then all that kind of right. stuff. Um, You're taking you know I mean? care of oh, American yeah. people. Yeah, when 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 unemployment is such a, a huge thing right now, and even those people who are not unemployed aren't getting the hours that they once had. Um, I think that this is something crucial. I feel, you know, I just feel so weird saying this to you right now. I just, I just, because it's just like, it's like I hate bailouts and I hate gimmies and I hate all that stuff. But like this pandemic, it's changed me. Well, and, and, and it's, <laughs> my liber, my, my my libertarian or centrist skin is getting thin. Well, and it's not that. It's it's you're not failing to recognize the moment. This moment right. is unprecedented. Yeah. We say that and. There's a certain element that, yes, we do like a political podcast, yeah. but some of this shit is not political. That's pretty cool to say, too. Right? Huh? It's it's just not political. It's yeah. just doing the right thing. Yeah. So in, in There is good versus evil. Yeah. And, in, in, you know, let's take a step back and talk about that personal touch. Like, the Postal Service, there are a lot of people that take this very, very personally. Their job, you know, is a profession. They care about it. And that goes towards the mail-in ballots as well. Yeah, and oh, Mark, absolutely. Mark, Mark brought something up that just befuddled me. I was just like, wait, is this is this real? And he's like, yeah. So when it comes to mail-in ballots, absentee or whatever, it's considered bulk mail. So you're not paying like this priority mail price. But the moment they recognize that this is a ballot, they immediately put on the priority placard. It is a priority mail piece to them. So you didn't have to pay an extra cost for something that's going to cost them on the back end but they do this fully knowing how important those ballots are. And this is another thing. It goes beyond just profits and break-evens and this and that. Oh, they're struggling because of the pandemic. They do the right thing in the right moment. And it's like, what, are, what is Congress doing to do the right thing in the right moment? Like, the $25 billion, if that's what it needs to save democracy, then God damn it, do it. This is like the best uh, uh, plug for the USPS. Hey, USPS, if you're listening to this. <laughs> we know you're trying to break even, but if you want to do a sponsorship. <laughs> Next time that you are more than breaking even well, and, and you have a little extra cash. <laughs> and here's the thing. We're starting a Patreon. And, and, and here's the thing. I got this way because of my conversation with Mark. Yeah. And, and Mark. Yeah, you're very passionate yeah, about Mark, this. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this greatly, I, seriously. I, was I it? unfortunately was not able to be there. <laughs> I have bartender's hours, I know, but yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm like sitting here. I'm like, yeah, well, and that's go USPS. Like, I was, I was like, Hey, this is really important, right? Oh, right. it's the yeah. mail-in ballots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then after talking with Mark, I recognized how passionate you can be and how personal it yeah. is for the USPS. And he wasn't ranting and raving like I get, but you can just tell when there's this genuine care 
when someone's talking about something, and that was Mark about. You can the tell when somebody's service. passionate about the thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing, the funny thing was, is we talked before, and I was like, you know, we're doing a political, you know, podcast and blah blah blah. And he doesn't lean necessarily the same way as I do on a, on a lot of things, but even he was like, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but there's something wrong with the way Trump is running this particular aspect. And going into an election and questioning, you know, the USPS. And now the USPS is starting to be overwhelmed. And one of the things that this bailout would do was it would allow people to start working overtime. So, and why that's important is this pandemic hits the postal service just the same, right? So if you work in a factory, you work in an office building, you work anywhere, and all of a sudden someone, you know, gets, you know, a a positive COVID test, the whole place shuts down. Absolutely. It's just like, imagine, imagine a small little, like... Uh, restaurant, you know right. what I mean? One person gets it and you're talking about, you know, 30 to 50 people out of work. This is even bigger right. or could be even bigger. Or or what happens is like, okay, so now they're on sick leave and someone else has to work overtime. Well, you're paying the person on sick leave, you're paying the overtime. It becomes very difficult. Right. And now the current postmaster general is saying, hey, we're not doing overtime because it's not part of our profitability model or it's not getting us to our break-even, you know, model that we have to hit. So we're not doing overtime. Well, that, that means that the, the mail is stockpiling at this right. point. So if we're not paying the people that should be getting paid you know, extra to make sure that this gets done, it's stockpiling. They're falling further and further behind, right? And at no point are they going to catch up. So that's Which why- Which plays I, right into the hand of like why it wouldn't work great for, or why, what people what, are yeah, saying. what could be a cause for concern, right? right? Now, keep in mind, right? What is it? Two billion letters go out uh, for Christmas cards, like two billion during that month. So there's no reason that we couldn't have 130 million ballots go out in in a certain period of time. Now here's it, where, and here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna press pause on you, sure, Brian. And sure. Again, I really I appreciate you going in depth on this and and the work that you did to get this interview done. Um, here's where I think that I'm finding issue. Um, yeah, I don't think that this needs to be made about mail-in ballots. I think that I, I understand that we're relating it. That's how we're, that's why we're yeah. kind of talking about it because it's important or it's rele- relevant there. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that this, um, and I'm not even going to call it a bailout. I think, I don't think this assistance that they are asking for or that they like need. That. Yeah. Uh, I think it, to me, it has nothing to do with mail-in ballots. Like who gives a shit about the mail-in ballots right now? Well, I mean, <laughs> that was a stupid comment. <laughs> Well, that was my I, whole premise, Kevin. Allow but there's, me to, a lot, there's a lot more to it. Well, no, but what I'm saying is yeah. this, and allow me to print my retract yeah. And, yeah. retraction for what I just said, but um, I don't think it needs to be made about that. I think that it, this is this is a number of workers that need to be working, and this is uh, something that needs to be taken seriously because yeah. um, I don't know about everyone else listening, but I like to get my mail, um, whether it's bills or whether it's shirts or something fun that I ordered online, I want to continue to get it. And I want to continue to support the people that work for the USPS. Um, I mean, they haven't let me down yet. Um, and so I think that's where I'm, I'm, I'm I am kind of going to drive a little bit of issue with what you're saying sure, just because sure. I think you're really hammering home about the mail-in ballots. And I understand that because you are very passionate about that. Yeah. Like the true Dem that you are. Um, yeah, I like democracy. Um, sorry, like the true lib that you are. <laughs> <laughs> but um, is that a, that's not a derogatory term. I can call you lib, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're friends. <laughs> well, and I'm proud that I'm a liberal person. So yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that really, we're well, the point that needs to be hammered home for me. I think is that these are jobs. These yeah. are, This is you know what I mean, like. That's the last thing we should be getting rid of in this time, and it's, yeah. and, and it's when it's something as important as m- mail. You know what I mean? I think that's where the, the the point should be made. Well, and and you know to go off of that a little bit, yeah, I agree. It's not, and it's not just bills. Like people don't realize, social security checks, veterans, you know, veterans benefits, possible stimulus checks, possible stimulus checks. Like not everyone does direct deposit with their checks, right? And especially like social security checks. Think about, you know, uh, for you, Kev, like your grandparents or like, you know, well, my dad, like our older generation. Shout out, Buster. Our older generation is very, very reliant on the USPS. And, you know, veteran benefits, you know, are coming through the USPS. Medicine prescriptions are coming through the USPS. This isn't just livelihoods in terms of 
dollar signs. This is livelihoods in terms of medication and, and, you know, do they have their benefits? Like, can they go on living because of the USPS? And, and that was something that, you know, Mark really hammered home to me is like the USPS is a service. It cares. It's, it, it's genuine in, in nature. Like, are there people that, you know, I got some pushback when I was talking about this, you know, online, of course, you know, everyone's a keyboard warrior, including myself. And check, I got the check pushback. out Brian's Facebook. Uh, I got I got the pushback of like, oh, well, this one time, you know, I didn't get something for 12 days. And it was like it should have been there, you know, 12 days ago. And it's only it's been sitting two blocks away and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I thought about that. I'm like, yes, there are probably some bad apples. But like think of any company, you know, for Kevin, like any restaurant you've worked at or, you know, I've worked at or any company school I've worked at. Uh, I've known bad apples, but in general, a lot of people take their job seriously and it's not about just dollar signs. It's like, I want to take pride in what I do. And that oozed out of the interview with Mark. Like it was just this pride in the USPS and he was very, very quick to acknowledge the pain points. Yes. Service is down right now. Why? Because we're in an economic recession. They're cutting hours. They're cutting services, right? You know, the, the new report is they're cutting sorting machines out of the facility, like, why? And no one knows at the U.S. Postal Service why that is happening, except for the fact that, you know, the Postmaster General is kind of a, a crony of Trump's, and, you know, he was appointed by him, he was a big donor to the Trump campaign, and all of a sudden, Trump is, you know, pushing this agenda that the they can't handle mail-in ballots, despite registering for his own mail-in ballot, but... All of a sudden, no one else can do it securely. And now they're cutting off, you know, some of the sorting machines. They're cutting the hours. They're making it less and less reliable. And I think that really starts to force people to question the service itself. And that's why I was getting really frustrated. Like, you're you're diminishing a service that has been around for over 100 years. It's taking care of the people. And now you're going to throw it to the wayside because you want to win an election. And here's the one kicker. And Mark pointed this out to me, is that there are five states that do almost exclusive mail-in balloting, and some are blue and some are red. Utah is a state that does it almost exclusively by mail-in ballots, and they are a red state. So this isn't just— Wouldn't it be more—wouldn't uh, it be better evidence if the state itself was not red or blue? Just saying, Brian, because, I mean—and uh, this is—again, this is really just me playing devil's advocate yeah. for sure— um, but couldn't it be red because it's rigged? Well, couldn't it be blue because so, it is? So, so you I, would I, be arguing against your own rigging of the election, like that benefits you. And and like Oregon, right? 15 million votes go in. Mm-hmm. They've had only 14 instances of fraud or possible fraud through the mail. 14 instances. I'm laughing just because it's... <laughs> possible fraud, yeah. I'm, well, you like change it. Fraud, I mean possible, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> well, and, and okay, so if I don't know no, for fine. sure it was convicted. I'm not, I'm it was, not arguing it was a, with you. Yeah, there, yeah, it was a Brookings Institution, um, you know, uh, finding. And it was 14 out of the 15 million. So it wasn't 14 million, it was 14. One four out of 15 million with lots of zeros. Only 14 instances. And by that, like, think about margin of error with, any kind of scientific project you've ever think done. about Florida recounts, <laughs> <laughs> right? The actual ballots, you know, that's the thing, right? So if we look back to the hanging Chad dilemma of, of the 2000 election with yep. Gore and Bush, yeah, like the actual mail, the actual ballots at the polling places were probably less reliable than the mail-in ballots. And we can ask Trump because he gets his mail-in ballot from Florida. So we can ask him how reliable it is because he decided, even though, that the mail-in ballots are very, very insecure for everyone else. His was going to be done through mail-in ballot. I wonder why that is. I don't know. So, yes, I'm hammering away at the idea of it being an elect- an election thing, but I think you, I, I'm really glad you brought it up. It's a service thing. It's a business thing. It's a business thing in the sense that... It's an employment thing. We've we've bailed out so many businesses and you know the Potbellies and Roots Chris and, and all of that. And I know, I know you love that I keep bringing up Pop Valley. Go ahead. Give me, give me no, a little. I was just going to say, why you got to bring up so many restaurants, Bray? <laughs> we've, we've, that have a reservoir and, and have this ability to weather the storm. And right now we see a service that has really been 
ingrained in our society for so long and we're not willing to help it out in a time of need. And if, if 25 billion is the cost of saving democracy, like I'm all for it. Like just <laughs> fucking make it happen. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, for different reasons. So, um, so once again, I just wanted to say thanks, you know, Mark for spending, you know, some time with me on the phone. I wish I could have, you know, properly recorded it and made sure it made some airtime. But I know you also said, hey, if you ever want more information, you want to talk again. Um, maybe next time I'll get you on the air and, and yeah. I'll have my, my co-pilot, who's the tech savant of, uh, of us, too. I'm very good at turning knobs left and right. <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as we have that kind of... Uh, technology. Cap- I, I, I was going to say capability, but yeah, technology, too. We need the hardware. Yeah, so... Um, but as soon as we have that, definitely. I would love to, I would love to have him on, because like, I'm hearing you talk about it, and I would... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. As much as I'm enjoying it, I know that I would probably enjoy hearing it from the horse's mouth. I mean, I haven't been this fired up about receiving mail since, like, I believe Santa letters. <laughs> like... Like I have not been this fired up and I'm, I'm fired up and I was getting a little fired up about the USPS, but when I heard Mark talk about it and, and so eloquently state like some real, I think now it's more personal to you. Maybe, maybe even unbeknownst to you, it is more about, uh, you know, just a little bit of pride for the USPS and not about those mail-in ballots, Brian. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) you know, to, to bring it back, like, um, LaJoy and Trump, are they purposefully doing that? Mark Mark wouldn't actually relent one way or the other, but he did say that it's kind of alarming. It's kind of really outside the norm. It's strange to be, for the times. To be cutting these things, like not only cutting hours, that's the profitability, but why are we removing machines? Like in, in now they were removing the blue boxes that you go drop your mail off in, which has now been suspended, thankfully. The USPS will not do that until after November, actually in until um, after the election. I think it's 90 days and we're 80 days out from the election. Um, so that's been suspended. Also, Kevin, I know you were really frustrated last time about the recess happening. Yes. For Congress. They and listened to me. Yeah, they listened to the podcast. Nancy Pelosi said, hey, I love the way your voice sounds on the on the radio. <laughs> and Nancy Pelosi and, and the rest of the House have decided that they're yeah. going to come back August 24th and have uh, uh, LaJoy testify before the House committee, uh, I believe it's Maxine Waters will be running that committee. And uh, he's going to have to testify, like, why are they making these changes when they are? And is this really the time to be doing it during a pandemic leading up into an election? Like, what is going on? I have, like, some sort of, like, a sick addiction to watch, like, for watching those, too, like, on C-SPAN. Oh, really? Oh, I my love God. them. I, I, they're so, like, and it's it, they're so good because at times they're just so bad. Because all it is is like a volley. It's like a volleyball match. It's like back and forth and back. Very, very few times is there like a clear like, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Most of the time it's just like, well, I don't have that information, but uh, Congressman, I would, I would love to get back to you with, uh, with those numbers. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, the senatorial ones are usually a little bit better, just because the people are, you know. They've been there at least, you know, three, four years because right. yeah, they have six-year yeah, yeah. terms. They're just a little yeah. bit more experienced with those. But when you have Maxine Waters there, I think it'll be a pretty good one. I agree with you 100%. You guys should check those out on YouTube. All right, Brian, anything else about the USPS before we move on? No, I, I, I got to one more time say thanks again, uh, Mark Tovey. And I know uh, his family was looking forward to listening to this particular podcast. I hope I did it justice. If there's anything else you want to comment on, please let me know. But um and yeah, and we'll definitely, and we're going to let you, yeah. we'll let him know as soon as we have to, the means to uh, have, him, yeah, have, him, have him phone in with us. Yeah, and, and, and once again, thanks. And, and he rejuvenated a passion in me. And, and well, I shouldn't even say rejuvenated. He just juvenated me. <laughs> <laughs> he just, no, in, in all seriousness, he got me really excited about like the Postal Service and really how uh, important it is to our society. And, and, and I thank him for that. For sure. I am. I, and I thank him as well. All right, so uh, we are going to move on now. All right, so yeah, so next uh, next subject then, Bry, is uh, what? The housing crisis. Housing crisis in 2020. In, yeah, well, and we're not there yet per se, but right. we, can, we see this on the horizon. And it, right. something our listener brought up, one of our listeners, uh, Christine Q. And like I said, we want your feedback. We want your discussion topics. And this is something she brought up to me was, where do I see the housing crisis going? You know, it's 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 impending. So what do I see happening? 
Yeah, and I think that this one will be a little bit different than, um, you know, if it, well, I'm not even going to say if, it's kind of like a when at this point, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Um, but how it's going to go, because I don't think it's going to be the same. It's not going to be like, um, I mean, our last big one was really kind of like 2008. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And in, even in like late 2006, early 2007, you saw people seeing the the impending crisis. And, you know, if you if you watch the big short, the whole it's in the title, right? Like they shorted the housing market and it's because they saw this like lackadaisical nature in, in the way they approached it. Um, this doesn't have anything to do necessarily with like abuses of of the system. Per Which se. is also what makes it different. Yeah. And this one is a, a genuine like, OK, there's an economic issue because of the pandemic and it's affecting people's ability to pay their mortgages. And the moratorium on evictions has been lifted, essentially, and was not extended after July 31st. Um, so, you know, people, you know, can get evicted. And then the person, you know, if I own multiple properties, I have to pay those mortgages. What happens to me now? Like, my, my renter isn't paying and now I'm evicting. And what goes, what happens to my property? So we're sitting on this this bubble of, of, of the mortgage industry, again, we're sitting on this housing crisis and it's coming. And once again, you know, Kevin and I have both talked about like stimulus plans and, and how that would benefit it. But the other aspect is, well, well I think, I think, and if I may interject yeah. there, I think that's the biggest thing, you know what I mean? Not to bring up the stimulus package again, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's so huge and that that's like just one thing that it could not necessarily fix, but put a, a decent band-aid on for right now. You know what I mean? Right. We don't always want to fix a problem with a band-aid, but like, you know, you give everybody, you know, the possibility of, you know, especially if you're, you know, even if you're just a married couple, you know, that $2,400, you know, in some cases that could be two months worth of rent right, right. there. Right. You know what I mean? And then you're paying or your mortgage. landlord. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, you know what I mean? That's huge. That's yeah. huge for you because then you have a roof over your head still, and that's huge for your for your landlord or lord or for your your you know the owner of the the property. Mm-hmm. So so sorry, continue. No, and and what I want to bring up is something we've learned about in the last, especially the last ten years since the two thousand and eight crisis, was how impactful it was on the wealth gap in America. The the idea of the haves and the have nots. And, you know, the people that lost their property, you know, then had to move into renting and stuff like that. One of the quickest ways to build wealth in America is real estate. It's owning your own home and then building off of that. You can use that home. You can use the equity in the home. You can use it as collateral for all kinds of business loans. All of these things, it allows you to build wealth. So one of the quickest ways to do that in America is through real estate. The problem was if you overextended that and lost it all, you have nothing left. And one thing we did see with the the haves was they had these uh, stocks, right? The the upper 1% of America has about 90% of the stocks out there, right? So so they had this this terrible decline because of the recession but it bounced back way faster than the housing market itself. Now we're sitting on a relatively hot market in general. We see houses at prices we haven't seen in a long time, which is And being sold quicker than ever. Right, which is good. But the problem is, is like when people start losing their jobs, and one of the things we've seen is people are getting loans for cars, for, for homes, without having to prove like, I have three years of employment. Well, we understand it's a pandemic. You might have lost your job. Well, what if they can't get to a new job before they're starting to pay all these mortgage payments or their car payments or whatever the case is, and you lose it all again? You know, if you lose the house, you lose what you put into it, right? So if you put in 20% of a down payment and all of a sudden you're getting foreclosed on, that's gone. And that, that's, that's, your, that's your entire life savings. For most people, yeah. Right. So... We look at this in 2008, and then, you know, I've been seeing studies, you know, in 2018 when, when Christine brought this up to me. She's like, how do you think that's going to impact in 2020? And we saw it to, it to be very relevant in, in kind of expanding the wealth gap. And I think it would only be worse in 2020 if this does happen where people can't get to their jobs. We're not giving them a stimulus check you know, some sort of UBI, universal basic income, if they're not getting those things to make, you know, 
their, their payments on time and they get evicted, then what? And the other aspect is this, Kev, if you can't pay your bills, right? You can't pay your, your car loan. You can't pay your student loans. What happens? You're fucked. (laughs) But no, what what gets fucked? Your credit. No, absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then your ability to buy another house one day. Right. And right now the mortgage rates are at an all time low. The interest rates on mortgages are an all time low. Right. If all of a sudden we do, we do, you know, get out of this and, and so and so is unemployed for the last four months and they finally gain employment. And then by the time they can actually start to build up their credit and everything, those mortgage rates are gone. Right. Meanwhile, the people that have all the money have been able to utilize those interest rates and buy up more property. Absolutely. Which creates this almost false scarcity is like I there's still not enough property in, in I which can't again, get to which again which yeah, which I mean only adds to the issue of being able to buy right. it. I mean, it's hard enough now. And and the thing too is that the difference here too is is, is this and I and I've realized this as my wife and I look for a new house. Um is that it's be, because of what happened in 2000, 2006, 2007, 2008, um, the banks have learned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now when you're going in for that mortgage now, I mean, the requirements for what they want you to have yeah. is just like so that standard is set so much higher. Right. You know what I mean? So you need even more money. You need even more, you know, an even better credit score. Um, and, 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 you know, these issues that we're talking about, it, it makes that even harder. You know what right. I mean? And it's even, well... In my case, for anybody who listened to my bank rant, um, knows, you know what I mean? It's already a, you know, a tough enough process to complete anyways. And, um, and the other aspect is with, with a housing crisis, what happens is, okay, there's foreclosures. We, we acknowledge that, right? Right. So those people who have been foreclosed on, now they've got to find a place to stay. And so they don't buy a new house. Obviously, they have to rent. Right. When you are buying a house and you go to an, an upgrade or you're moving to a different area, you take all the equity out of, out of the house, the down payment you put on into the house and all of, you know, whatever else is in that house you take with you into your next purchase. If you just lost your house, you have nothing saved up. Obviously, you weren't able to make the payments on the house. You have nothing saved up for the next house. Right. And then so, not, not to mention, you see a, a, a steady rise in cost of rent. Yeah, because the market is then filled with people with demanding rent, right? They're they're demanding properties to rent. And with that demand, you can't meet all the demand, so what do you do? You raise the price. If there's, you know, 50 people looking at the same apartment, well, yes, I want the best candidate and I want to make money and just make sure my mortgage is paid, but at the same time, now I can even raise it and kind of cut the 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 list down a little bit, right? So that's what continues to happen. And when people are pouring money into rent, they are not developing wealth, right? They aren't doing anything to better themselves other than put a roof over their head, which is absolutely important. And I don't, I don't knock anyone that is renting. Like, There's always advantages and disadvantages. Right. You know what I mean, the one cool thing about renting, not to, uh, to cut you off here, is that you don't have to pay for anything to be fixed. <laughs> exactly. And trust me, as a homeowner, I, 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 I recognize right, yeah. that and I do miss that that aspect about renting. But if you're looking for the long-term gain, you should always be looking to buy just because you're you're putting money towards yourself. Now, whether or not the housing market goes up or down or whatever, the money you've been putting away is at least servicing your It's like property. buying stocks, you know yeah. what I mean? It's going to go up and down, but in the end, you know what I mean? Exactly. You can... So so here we we're sitting on the precipice of another crisis and we're seeing it happen in real time where People have lost their jobs. We had one of the highest unemployment rates in our history. Okay. The stimulus check came out in what? Four months ago. And we haven't seen anything since. And that was $1,200. Now the unemployment benefits are being dropped. And I know Trump is saying, oh, well, I'm going to make sure there's still 400 out of the 600, but the states have to pay for 100. And then you have to check all these other boxes. There's all these little caveats. So people shouldn't be expecting anything more than the actual unemployment benefit itself. And sometimes that's just not fucking cutting it. And you're not able to pay your bills. No, because you could be going from making, you know, a thousand dollars a week to now they're only going to give you four hundred. Right. Right. So it was it was an extra six hundred dollars a week. And then it's like, okay, I can afford my mortgage, I can afford my bills. I'm 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 okay. You're not you're not buying, you know, fancy new cars because of some unemployment benefit. That's not what it was. But the problem here is people are scratching at every possible opportunity they can to make ends meet. 
and it's not happening. This housing crisis is going to be a big thing. And that's another reason the stimulus is so important. Now, the other aspect is how this continues to divide the wealth gap. When you own property, you get tax deductions and stuff like that. You're building your own wealth. If you lose all of that and you're starting back at square one, most people that already have are not losing anything in this housing market. And when you come out of it, finally, I'm employed, I'm good, I'm making ends meet. Now I have to rent. I'm not building towards myself. I'm paying a higher premium than I would have beforehand because now the market has has instructed. It's so oversaturated, right, yeah. The, the market has instructed people to raise their prices because the demand is so high. It's a very difficult, vicious circle. Now, if I was unemployed and I wasn't paying my bills on time because, oh, I'm not paying my phone bill this time because I got to pay my car payment. I'm not paying right. my car payment because I'm paying my, my student going. loans. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing this loan payment for my house this month. And I'm going to, you know, ask for, you know, deferral or whatever. All of this is going to be held against you when you go to the next home home purchasing opportunity. And right, the because time, there's no there's no box to check for like, yeah, I was foreclosed on, but it was because there was COVID. a national pandemic. Right. right. And, international and, pandemic. And and then we look at, okay, the mortgage rates are at an all-time low. By the time you finally get that all fixed, I'm caught up on my bills. I'm building myself a little nest egg so I can I can look to purchase again. By the time you are ready to purchase, you're not going to see the, mortgage, the same rates. The rates are going right. to be going up. Right. And, and that's the thing here is we're not doing anything to fix it. And I do foresee a furthering of the wealth gap because of it. And that's not what America is supposed to be. We've seen the middle class shrinking. We've yeah. seen it. And, and I know like every politician advocates for, for, for growing the middle class. Yeah. We want to see everyone in the middle class right? We want to see the bulk of America in the middle class. We, we want rich people, you know, we, we don't want anyone to be impoverished or poor, right. but that's just a natural state of, of a free market system. But we want that middle class to be the, the majority. The and it's, it's starting to slip in, in the two directions where there's not going to be one. And, and we can trace and middle class is the biggest class of purchasers. You know what I mean? We are, it, it stimulates it, the yeah, economy. And right. We've talked about and it I'm, here. And I'm going to stop you here for a second sure. too, because I feel sure. like this is a great opportunity for uh, our magic wand seg- segment. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I think you have some ideas, and I think that um, I, I mean, actually, and I. I and why don't this, Why don't you? Do oh, you, I'll lead the way. I'm ready for yeah, this. I, yeah. I think because um, mine is. I so always sim- do the magic wand. I, I think I want to give you oh, the magic yeah, wand. Please. Here you go, Kevin. I know a few card tricks. Here, I'm giving <laughs> oh, you the wand. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Brian's acting as though we're recording this via video too. Yeah. But <laughs> one day, <laughs> uh, no. So it's very simple. Um. We so so you have to start. This is going to be like a tiered system, uh, not not like a pyramid scheme, but a tiered system. Uh, okay. So here's how we go about this. We um, so obviously, as an owner of a property, there's a lot of things you have to do. You know, if you have a mortgage on it, you have to pay the mortgage. Um, you have to pay po- property taxes, all that kind of stuff. So we cut it off there, just so like we stop rent payments, we stop mortgage okay. payments. Okay. You don't have to pay the interest on it. Okay. No back interest, no nothing. Okay. And again, this is big time. This is huge magic wand for me. Okay. No payments due till this is over. Um, and I'm actually stealing this. Um, I think I think this is fine to say, but the restaurant that I work at, we have probably one of the coolest landlords in the entire world. I mean, this guy has been so helpful to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and when this pandemic started, he immediately um, sent a message over to uh, the owners of the business, my bosses, saying, guys, don't worry about rent until we get this thing figured out. Which, you know what I mean, leading into that, that was back in March. You know what I mean? And this guy has right. helped us out this entire time. That's incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm almost using that as an example, or as, as a, as a uh, um, you know, a, a thing to base this on. So rent, gone. We're not paying it until this is over, until people are working, you know what I mean, full force. Okay, same thing with mortgages. Mortgage. I know that, and I, again, this is going to be a huge hit on everyone. Um, but I think that it's it's something where we could like it can be fixed in the future. You know what I mean? Um, but all the way up to the federal level. You know what I mean? So you're not collecting income tax or not income taxes. Sorry, property taxes on anything. You know what I mean? You don't have to yeah. pay because to say yeah, you got to pay me your property. And now I do understand that the government's pushing out a ton of money right now for stimuluses and other things like that too. Um, 
But yeah, we just forego forego rent, forego mortgage, so uh, until this is fixed. So I know one thing because then because then everyone's in houses, everyone's got a roof over their head, um, and you know what I mean. Whether it's eight hundred dollars a month or twenty two hundred dollars a month or whatever it is, you know what I mean. It's not something you have to worry about. You can pay your other bills down. You can you know what I mean. You can stay on losing that. You can stay on top of those, okay? And your credit's not going to shit. That's I mean it's as it's for me. In my brain, and I know there's so much more to it because I'm not like the smartest individual, but like to me, that just seems so simple. It's like, so I don't see why I mean, play your usual role, yeah, devil's advocate. Where okay, it feels like we're kicking the can down the road. What happens then? Like, how do we, how do we recover from all of this? Because you've made the point when I bring up things like this, what about tacking, what, what, what about tacking it onto the back end? Oh, oh, so like. So, 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 and then that's just me trying to fix it. That's just, so, I mean, I mean, I like my original plan better, but. <laughs> well, no, I, and I think <laughs> but you, so, you, so you take it onto the back end. So if you got a 30-year mortgage or whatever, you know what I mean? And this okay. has been going on for six months, you're adding on six months to your mortgage. Okay. What about, what about the property taxes themselves? Like for the municipal, like locality. Taxes are thief, thievery anyways. <laughs> There's a libertarian. Because I, I thought you were being a little too generous here with I these know. programs. I'm I glad know. you had some libertarian in you. Um, um, I, I, think you I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it just has to come from this place of like the government, and we talked about with the Postal Service, we talked about with other you know restaurants and small businesses and even the large businesses are getting all this money and it's like we have to do this right now. This isn't this isn't political. This isn't libertarian, democrat, republican. This is the only way we survive this. And I think that's why you and I like for anybody, I mean obviously um a lot of our listeners are people that we know, but for all of us, anybody who doesn't know us personally, I mean this is the most you're going to meet. Well, maybe not the most, but this is probably the most you're going to hear me and Brian agree with each other this much. Yeah, someone, <laughs> you know, someone joined in it, episode five and they're like, wow, you guys agree a lot. And then they went back and listened. They're like, oh, no, you don't. Yeah. This is another instance where I don't think it's political anymore. I think we politicized the pandemic itself way too much. And that's why we're here. Right. And it's not political. It's not about your rights or I don't want to wear a mask or I'm a patriot because I do six months into it like Donald Trump. I think it's it's about actually. Let me just take a moment here to, in my rant, still <laughs> take a plug at Donald Trump. <laughs> I think it's about taking care of the American people, and that's what the government does. And I think, you know, corporations and and stuff like that need to, uh, and you know, pay their fair share of taxes. The 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 one percent need to upgrade. We've seen. Bezos make thirteen billion in a day. We've seen Mark Zuckerberg nearly double his wealth in the pandemic. Like we're seeing the rich, the haves, make all of this money while everyone is sitting here struggling. Like, what the fuck do I do? And I and I'm and I know some. You know, I don't mean to turn people off with with my language, but it's just like it's gotten to that point where we're desperate. People are people are struggling. I, I was reading an article. And they, they were talking about when they first got the stimulus check and they were paying down this bet, you know, their credit card debt that they'd missed for two months. They weren't able to pay the minimum balance. They weren't able to pay this. And then they finally got it all done. And there was a sigh of relief. And they looked at their account and there was $15.87. You can't look into your account. And I've been there, not in a pandemic, but just because I was a poor <laughs> teacher. And I was like, there are days where you see the red. There's days where you're like in the black, but like $15.87. Like, dude, that's a really good night at a Taco Bell. Like, that's it. That's all you got left in your account. <laughs> yeah. And like, you can't make ends meet. You're not growing. So that's why we say this is separating further the haves and the have nots. Right. And especially if you were unfortunately laid off from your job. You might have been able to make ends meet with the extra, you know, six hundred dollars a week or whatever, and you might have actually been doing better for a little bit of a time. But that also shows you how messed up our system is. Yeah, and just to touch on something too there, because I, I know that somebody's going to say it or think it. Yeah. Because um, I mean, obviously, like that six hundred dollars a month that was taken advantage from a lot of people, um, especially. Um, and again, this is just coming from. I, I think it's fair for me to bring up because I just work in the industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, as a bartender, like. Some people were making good money on that, you know what I mean. And so the one, yeah. that, so the I, I will say it was taken advantage of in some cases because we lost a lot of employees after that because people wanted to stay on unemployment. 
but that also but, goes but to I think, show but you I th- like. right right but i think largely it was a, it was a very good thing yeah and and we look at this and it's like hey we need to get this done so we can continue on and this is like kevin said we don't agree on a lot and that's why the whole mad libs podcast could live was it was showing a civil discussion but this is a this is a true point we're trying to make where this doesn't have to be political anymore like democrats are doing one thing republicans are doing another and they should both be working together and and i'm not trying to just alienate the republicans because there are some that are stepping up right and doing the right thing because i feel like in the past like the the, the two-party system was I guess it could be kind of almost seen as like another form of checks and balances, you know what I mean, because of their agreements and disagreements. I think right now it doesn't even need that doesn't even need to necessarily uh, be the case. I did it. This is just one time. My my whole thing is Republican Democrat. I think the Democrats are bringing bringing stuff to the table every time, and I just want to know what are the Republicans doing to help American people? What are you doing? That's that's my problem here. Is I'm not trying to you know polarize any Republican listeners or conservatives. I'm not trying to get you away from my pocket. <laughs> as he starts, I need as... you to keep coming back and listening to me. But please, for the love of God, tell me, what are the Republicans doing to help us in this time of need? And this is that point in the podcast where I have to turn down Brian's mind. Sorry. <laughs> but I, 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 yeah. I think this I think, is a big uh, but thing. I, and the one thing you're, you're doing here is I think you're um, slightly marginalizing because I do. I, I think you can't say, you know what I mean? It's, it's another thing. You can't say all Republicans. And this isn't me like sure. sticking up for them. No, it's the Republican Party as a whole is what I say. So like Mitt Romney has said, like, you know, for voting uh, mail-in ballots, he has been one of the vocal people seeing there's there's not an instance of fraud like that we need to be limiting mail and ballots. There's not like this huge security alarm going off. That So he's stepping up. And I'm saying there are Republicans doing the right thing. But as a party as a whole, right. the Democrats are passing things in the House because that's the part that they control. And then McConnell is saying, nope, we're going to recession. Or, or recess. We're we're also in a recession. <laughs> we're going we're going to recess. We're not dealing with this. And they had it weeks before, right? Yeah. But they weren't taking it on. And now they're in a recess and he's not calling them back. Pelosi's calling the house back because they got shit to do. And and I just want the same out of both parties. And if the Republicans come up with something better, I'll sure as hell support it. But they're not bringing anything to the table and that's why I get so frustrated he'll sure as hell support it and then but in the same sentence you will still allegedly find so, allegedly you, you i'll will, support it allegedly you, you will still find something bad to say about donald trump <laughs> because he'll probably say something stupid regarding it <laughs> oh my goodness brian uh all right what else so what else housing crisis anything else you want to say about it i i think we're once again, we're on the precipice and, and it's not just the housing crisis. So I'm not going to take a whole nother segment, but I think corporate debt, there's a huge bubble. I think the United States is sitting on a debt bubble. Oh yeah. And I think just mortgage, waiting for I think that the mortgage, I think there's a mortgage bubble. I think there's a rent bubble. Like we're sitting on a bunch of these bubbles that are just waiting to be popped and the pandemic is ready to do it. And we're oh, not yeah. doing anything proactive. I think for sure it's the pin. <laughs> The coronavirus pin. I think I think we're sitting on this this huge bubble for all of these major factors that made the American economy grow, and we're not doing anything proactively. And we didn't in two thousand and eight. We saw the ramifications. And I don't know if we can handle another two thousand and eight. And this goes beyond just you know we've just done a two trillion dollar stimulus. Before that, Donald Trump gave $1.6 trillion back to the rich by their tax cuts. So I'm looking at this, and we're just $1.6 trillion, $2 trillion. There's another stimulus hopefully coming, $1 trillion, $2 trillion, whatever it is. And we keep adding, and we're kicking the can down the road. But we're also sitting on all of these bubbles that are supposed to eventually pay off that can down the road, and we, we're, those are going to pop too. And then you're going to need a stimulus package for that, and a stimulus package for that. And it's like... We can't keep and we doing don't it. Have the and Oprah. we're not doing anything proactively right. so we can get ahead of it so it doesn't hit us as hard. Yeah, we need the Oprah of stimulus packages. You get a package. Stim- and you, you get, get a stimulus package. You. Oprah could probably fix this. She's got enough money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Yeah, there's nothing you can say to that. It's yeah. true. I hope I, maybe she can come to the rescue. Dude. 
Oprah, if you're listening, <laughs> there's a pipe dream. Yeah. So no, that's that's what, and I do want to say thanks again to Christine Q uh, for bringing this to our attention, and and we wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, and once again, anyone that wants to contribute. Uh, yeah, this is how this is how for for right now until we can take fo- over the phone interviews or people coming in. Um, we're no Joe Rogans. We can't afford for everyone to be COVID tested. Um, <laughs> but we do appreciate your contributions. Yeah, a the, lot the, of but listeners. this is yeah this is how you could be part of the show right now. Shout out to us on on all of our social media platforms. Brian and I try to do our best to to respond back. Brian's way better at it. That's why I do the Instagram. I just <laughs> I'm a picture book guy. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'll put those pictures up and you guys just hit the likes and I will uh, continue to do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what I mean? Anything. We appreciate you guys' support just for listening. But yeah, we love, love, love the the, the feedback and uh, whether it's uh, topics or constructive criticism. So come at us. Um, what else, Brian? Anything else on uh, your bubbles? Anything else on one, your bubbles? Do I have time for a little segment? Do I have time? Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. So, I know we talked a little bit. And we're out of time. (laughs) I know we talked a little bit about it. But who's the VP now? Kamala. Wonderful. Was that the segment? Yeah. So (laughs) People can change. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I I just want to be very, very clear. I had a couple of people come up to me, not come up to me, uh, ask me. They text me or called me. And they say, well, you're supportive of Kamala. And, you know, there's also rumors now. that she wasn't even, she wasn't even, no, I was, <laughs> there's rumors that she wasn't even born here or she can't even be the vice president because her parents were naturalized citizens. And I want to be very, 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 very clear that Kamala Harris is a candidate and has been validated and, and verified. She is, she should, she has the, the blue check next to her name, like a Twitter account. She is a candidate and please, please, please stop worrying about birtherism. And I know Donald Trump has alluded to it. I know there's outlets that are alluding to it. Don't fall for the bait. That's the whole segment. Hey, Kev, can I have another segment? I just really, just please let me rant and tell everybody that I'm right. <laughs> it's not that I'm right. It's, it's, I know, there's a lot I know. of misinformation. I'm being and facetious. I think, it's, I think it's important. And, you know, going forward, that was a big thing. It was a ploy when Barack Obama was, was being elected. Trump used it then, you know, he started the, well, he was one of the main proponents of the birtherism movement and Obama was born in Kenya or whatever. And he's kind of starting to allude to it now. And, you know, he just sparks the fire and then people run with it and, and make it a whole wildfire. And not to be overly jocular, but if you ever read, if you guys want, um, Brian's going to write a history book, um, and everything in it, (laughs) anything bad will lead back to Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, You know what? Go your, on. your wife had asked me the question, was there anything Donald Trump had done in his presidency that I agreed with? Yeah. I thought of something. What is it? He brought uh, General Madison as the Department of Defense, and I absolutely loved it. Now, granted, he ran him out of town, but I liked the pick. Yeah, originally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, surprisingly, we are out of time. Okay. Not so surprising. Do you want to review real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to review. So, uh, USPS, good. <laughs> no, uh, really, seriously, um, uh, Mark Tovey, we just wanted to say thank you so much. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, Brian has said it several times. I want to say it as well, even though, like I said, I, got, I had to miss out on the, uh, the conversation. Really couldn't thank you enough, and hopefully we can get you on the podcast um, ASAP here. Um, so yeah, $25 billion. That's all the Dems are asking for it. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that it should be there. Um, I think where we disagreed there is that you brought into play a lot of the, uh, mail-in ballots is the reasoning. I think it's more, uh, it's, even uh, more it's, it's us workers. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a longstanding company too. And, and, and trying times, it's not just like a company failing because they're failing. Um, or because they're being phased out or something like that. So, yeah, I think we can can agree. We can agree to disagree. I hate that. Term. I know you do. That's why I said it. Um, there, also, we went over the housing crisis. Uh, where is it going to be? What's it going to happen? What's Kevin's gonna, Kevin going to do with his magic wand? Um, that sounds wildly inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think, you know, we touched on both things that eventually 
you know, we can't keep kicking the can down the road right, with either yeah. thing, whether it's the Postal Service or the housing crisis. We need to take care of things now. And, and that's really up to Congress and, and the president to do the right thing, protect American workers, protect American people, and allow everyone to prosper as much as possible. Yeah, and the final thing we touched on is Kamala Harris has a blue check mark next to her name. She's verified. She's verified. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening once again. We really appreciate you guys' time. Um, yeah, be sure to follow us on uh, our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We are working on a Patreon now, so look out for that, and we'll keep you guys in, uh, updated on all that as it comes along, too. And, uh, yeah. Look forward to hearing from you. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, guys, it's Kevin. And Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mad Libs podcast. We really appreciate you guys' uh, time. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media. That includes Mad Libs Podcast on Instagram, Mad Libs Podcast on Facebook. And feel free to email us with any comments or questions at madlibspod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Appreciate you listening.